Greetings, YouTube, and welcome to an episode of the all-new interview series from Cosmo Records called Behind the Artist. So, I have here a very special guest today. Uh, he is one of the most interesting creators I know, because he's a man with different interests, and he's from an unlikely background. Now, Mopete over here has a YouTube channel, and he is a YouTube creator. And as I have worked with him before, I have seen that he is somewhat of a connoisseur of anime and manga, as well as several other things. But, you know, he is not some neckbeard snorting Cheeto dust in his mom's basement. In fact, <laughs> he is actually also an active duty member of the United States military, traveling the world to exotic places, yet having the time and temerity to not only start a YouTube channel, but also to grow it with a consistent stream of original and interesting content. So again, I'm very excited to have Mopete on here today. He is a very interesting creator that I've had the privilege of working with before. And Mopete, I just want to start the interview off by asking you uh, some basic background questions, because I think your background is quite interesting and, and will be of great interest to the viewers of my channel. So first of all, uh, tell me a little bit about your history and your story. You know, your background, where are you from? And what was like growing up there? And um, so kind of tell me about the origins of Mopit. Okay. Um, I am from a little town called Corpus Christi, Texas. It is a military town on the coast of Texas, hashtag third coast. And um, <laughs> basically, uh, I was born there because my father was also in the military and he happened to be stationed there when you met my mother. Now, he retired about three years after I was born, so I didn't do the whole stereotypical military child constantly reclodicating thing. So I was born and raised in Corpus Christi, Texas. If you ask anyone I know, they'll tell you I love Texas. I love Corpus Christi. You know, we're the town that, that made Selena, you know, the big Tejano singer that died way before her prime was ever fully reached here in the States. Tragedy. But mm -hmm. yeah, I'm from Corpus Christi. I ended up joining the military, like you said, because in high school, I didn't have any money and I, my grades were kind of, you know, subpar because I didn't really focus my, and apply myself in school. So I said, hey, military offers free schooling, get to travel the world and meet interesting people while doing it. Why not? And uh, here I am. I'm five years deep at the time of this video into the United States Navy. Right. And you mentioned you're from Corpus Christi and I've, you know, I've actually never had the privilege of visiting Texas. It's always been on my to-do list. You know, of course, I'm from the U.S. and I've traveled a lot throughout the U.S. when I used to be in the finance business. But, you know, I've been to the American South, but I've never been to Texas. And, you know, Corpus Christi, isn't there like somewhat of a, some kind of surfing culture there? I mean, I know the beaches aren't the same as in Hawaii, but, um, I mean, are there beaches where you can enjoy and also do some surfing? Oh, yeah. There are tons of beaches. You, there are tons of places you can go to in that whole little Corpus Christi area, the Gulf Coast, Gulf Coast area, to where you can find some good surf. You have North Beach. You have J.P. Luby, which is like the popular spring break definition. You have Port A. You have tons of tons of different places you can go to out there to catch a good uh, wave. I'm not a surfer myself, but I have plenty of friends that are into it that like to talk about it. So that's how I know. And I believe we have uh, plenty of uh, professional surf competitions that find their way down here as well. Okay, very cool. Great. Now, you mentioned that your dad was in the Navy. And uh, is that right? That's correct. Okay. My next question, you know, concerning your military career, before we go more into the creator aspect of your, 
uh, of your profession. So besides the fact your dad was in the Navy, why the Navy? Because there were, you know, there are multiple branches and within the Navy, there's also the Marine Corps. Also, uh, there are multiple paths to join in the military. There's the Reserve Service, the National Guard, and of course, uh, there's the enlisted route, which you apparently have taken, and there's also the route of Officer Candidate School uh, or ROTC into the Officer Route. So first of all, why, why the Navy? Why not the Marines, the Army, the Coast Guard, the Air Force? Tell me a little bit about that. So funny thing about that is I actually originally wanted to join the Air Force. Uh, from what I've researched, my own personal research, they had the highest quality of life, which has proven to be true. But um I could never, I can never find the recruiter. The recruiter, was, the recruiter was never in their office, and apparently, this is a problem. This is a common problem amongst people who are trying to join the Air Force. Is that the recruiters? They usually fill up their quotas very quickly. So you know, once they fill up their quotas, they pack it up, lock it up, and you know, you don't see them until they need more recruits, which they usually find very quickly. So you know, there I was. Air Force office was closed. Navy recruiter. I'm sure I've done this plenty of time before, popped his head out, was like, hey, uh, it's pretty hot out here. Why don't you uh, sit down a little for in here for a little bit and cool down? And the rest was history. You know, I had a very good recruiter who had me take the practice ASVAB, you know, the test that you uh, must take to prove your aptitude to join the military. They had me sit down and take a practice test. I did pretty well on it. And they were like, oh, you can get a pretty high paying job or a high potential paying job here in the Navy if you uh, decide to go with us. So they kind of smoothed mm-hmm. me away with it. And the fact that my dad was also in was kind of a, a point they used against me. So they, they, like <laughs> I said, they did a great job recruiting me, but I don't regret going into the Navy one bit. It, I definitely think it was the, that's the branch for me. I think I would have been way too bored just sitting in a random Air Force base in Iowa or something like that. <laughs> I, you know, I'm also a fan of the Navy as well, because, you know, I come from a Navy family. My dad, as I'm, we might have discussed before, my dad was in the Navy. He was a, an officer because he was a Navy dentist during and he was active duty around the time of the Vietnam conflict. I'm, you know, personally, I'm rather partial to the Marines. And actually, I've tried to join previously, but I was unfortunately turned down the first time because of some minor health issues, but I was invited to reapply. But during this period, I decided to tr- do some traveling. And then, of course, that changed my my path in life. And I think I'm a little bit too old for the Marines right now, but I continue to cheer them on from a distance. Uh, what do you think about that? Have you considered joining the Marines instead of the Navy prior to making your decision? Um, the Marines was pretty much never an option for me. Um, they would come, the recruiters would come to my school because they're a whole separate, even though they are under the same department, yes, they are both Department of the Navy, the Marines handle their own recruiting so that they had an entirely separate office from the Navy. But their recruiters would come to the school I was in and they would have students do like, you know, the pull up challenge right then and there in the cafeteria. Like, ooh, you think you can be a Marine? So you can get 12 uh, 12 pull ups right now. And I never did it because I was scared. But yeah, the Marines was never the whole, you know, the physical aspect of their lifestyle never really appealed to me. I just think, you know, from the get go, the Navy was just kind of was kind of a match made for me there. Um, OK, I respect the Marines because they have arguably the most difficult jobs in the entire service. You know, they, they, they not only do you have to know how to deploy on land, you also have to be proficient when it comes to land doing amphibious operations and landing via sea. So it's it's a pretty wide spectrum of things you have to do if you're if you're going to be a marine out in the front line. So I have a lot of respect for them. 
That being said, there is an inner service rivalry between the Navy and Marines. You know, we kind of think of us as their daddy because they're Department of the Navy and <laughs> they, they came from a brain. They came from, you know, our brainchild. So there's always that little inner service rivalry where they like to cheese each other. But, you know, I, I love Marines. I love my jarheads. Cool. Cool. So to move on and move on to the next question, and I'm kind of going to do a little bit of a shift here. Um, and we will get back to your military career later on, but you are a military man, uh, you're active duty. And from what you've told me previously, you have already been traveling around the world and I'm sure seeing very exotic places, interesting places, good food and, and whatnot. But, you know, as a military person, uh, what made you get into YouTube? So let's start talking a bit about your YouTube career. You are a content creator. Um, what made you get started with YouTube? Oh, oh, oh. That is a long, interesting story. I'm sure you'll be able to edit the, the better parts of it. Um, <laughs> so um, two years after I joined the military, I was at a training command and we went to class for four to six hours a day. And the rest of the day, I, I it was in a very, very, very small neck of the woods. So the only thing to do was sit at a hotel or go to Walmart. So well, I, would, I would start watching YouTube videos. I started watching a lot of YouTube videos. And I came across this creator named uh, Super Butter Buns. Great creator. She does a series called For Beginners, and it basically covers video games. What struck me was how much fun she was having. She released a video celebrating getting um, getting one of her milestones for subscribers. And she said, she, you know, she started getting emotional. She said, YouTube saved her life. Uh, it's the greatest thing that ever happened to her. And no matter how hard she gets, she'll always be thankful for doing that. That and uh, one of my friends from high school started her own YouTube channel. Pretty much sealed it for me. I was like, wow, if she can do that and they can have fun while doing this, then why not? Why not me? Why not? I give it my own shot. You know, ironically enough, that friend that from high school that started a YouTube channel no longer does YouTube. I've outlasted her, even though she's my inspiration. But yeah, that's pretty much how I got into it. I saw other people doing it, saw, hmm, this looks fun. I'm doing nothing but sitting in this hotel. Let's see what I can do with this. Okay, great. And that friend that inspired you, was that your, your current XO of your channel, as I know her? Oh, or someone different? No, it's not Claire. Um, it, oh, okay. is, um, <laughs> it is someone different. I won't name them right. for the sake of, you know, for the sake of professionalism. But yeah, it, yeah it, no problem. they no longer on YouTube. No problem. So about your channel. All right. So you know, apparently you have, I mean, from what I know, you have an interest in anime and manga, but can you tell me what else, what other areas of interest that, you know, inspire you to create content for your channel? Now, when I think of Mo Pete, I don't just think of anime and manga. I think of nerd culture in general. That means anime, manga, video gaming, tabletop gaming, um, comic books, what have you, pretty much anything under the sun as far as nerd and pop cultures, and even things outside of that. You know, I was writing a video yesterday about um, just going about and doing grocery shopping. You know, that idea is probably going to end up in, in the trash soon, but it just shows the show that really nothing's off limits for me in this channel. And I like to really not limit myself as far as what I can do on the channel. Though I feel like once I get bigger, inevitably I'll start having to lean more on my more popular content. But as for right now, I'm trying a little bit of everything and I'm just having fun with it. Okay, very good. 
Now, I've seen that, and again, I've just I've reviewed a lot of your content in your channel, and the ones that stood out most to me, because I have somewhat of an interest in these topics shared with you, um, you do have an interest, apparently, in anime. And can you kind of share with me, in your history, going back in your history again, what got you into anime? What, like, why do you, why are you a fan of anime compared to other, you know, uh, forms of art and other forms of animation? Why anime? What got you into your interest with it? Oh, uh, very stereotypically, um, I started watching anime through Dragon Ball Z on Toonami. So, like oh, okay. millions of other boys in the United States, I found I discovered Dragon Ball Z on Toonami, and I just sort of watched what other stuff Toonami would put on there. They put on the Dragon Ball Z movies. They put on um, Mobile Suit Gundam, Gundam Wing, all those movies that have to do with that, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I got into manga, believe it or not, through my mother. Um, she would take us to Barnes and Nobles on like the weekend and I'll go into this. And I, I would like to first of all, I like to wander throughout the store because Barnes and Nobles are usually awesome. You know, they're big stores with all these displays and cool stuff. But I would wander throughout the store and one day I saw this book, right? Or these book, the section of books that'd be like, hey, that's Dragon Ball Z. Or hey, that's Naruto in book form, in comic book form. Why are pages black and white? I don't know. This is still pretty cool. So, you know, this is back before we had the days of iPhones and all that. So, you know, watching anime or enjoying anime content on the go was unheard of. So little kid me saw this as golden because I can basically now read Dragon Ball Z stories or Naruto stories or whatever stories wherever I go. So that's how I got into manga mm -hmm. too. But yeah, my roots are very, I guess, vanilla. I'm sorry, I don't have like a more grand st grandiose story for you. Oh, no problem. And and again, like talking about anime, like which are some of your favorite anime shows and why? Ooh. So you mentioned you got started with Dragon Ball Z, but I know it gets much more, much more deep than that. So tell us a little bit about your personal interests as as a connoisseur of anime Ooh, so when i was younger i would like i like more action-oriented shows um your shown your typical shonen anime and i guess the apex of that era was code geass lelouch of the rebellion that anime will always be in my heart i watched it on toonami i watched it on adult swim i watched it uh, on YouTube, because there was a period, believe it or not, where YouTube showed free anime, and I just fell in love with Code Geass. I could rewatch. There's one series I can rewatch over and over again. It's definitely that series. Um, wait, the YouTube. Wait, the YouTube channel that had free anime. This wasn't run by that girl from Scotland, right? Who had the reactions? No, 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 no. This was actually like oh, Funimation, <laughs> them, not Funimations, but it was the anime companies themselves putting oh, these videos okay. out there and allowing the actual con content owners. Yeah. Uh -huh. Believe it or not. Oh, okay. And I don't think they still do that because you know, that's just leaving money on the table. But yeah, there, there was a time where they just showed free anime on YouTube and code Geass was one of them. Um, now you mentioned code Geass and the character of Lelouch. Now just refresh my memory because I've, as you know, I'm also a voiceover actor. And um, I work with another YouTube channel called Epic Scenes Anime, and I've done some of their like top 10 anime videos. And I remember speaking about Lelouch several times. Now, is Lelouch this? She's a girl, right? Who? No, he's a guy. He's a guy. Oh, Lelouch is a guy. Okay. All right. Tell, can you remind me who, who is Lelouch, this character? He's a guy. He was prince of an evil nation called Britannia. 
but his mother was oh, killed. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was sent off to Japan, which got taken over by Britannia and renamed to Area 11. And basically the plot is him gaining this power of the gods called Gias, which allows him to um, basically command people to do whatever they want. And he uses this power to get revenge on Britannia. Oh, okay. Of course, not that now, simple. Everything happens, shenanigans and whatnot. And Britannia is referring to what? A fictional version of the United Kingdom? Pretty much. Basically, this is the United Kingdom if the um, the the East India Trading Company never got stopped. If they just kept on expanding and expanding and expanding. Like America in this anime is Britannia. <laughs> like the, the, the oh, Americas okay. have been completely taken over by them and they're just a non-player in this. Oh, so it's the it's the British Empire. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, all right. And now you mentioned Code Geass, and uh, please continue if you had any more of your personal favorites to discuss. I'd like to hear it. All right. Another favorite from that era was School Rumble. It was another anime that was shown on uh, YouTube, and it's a little comedy anime about characters going to high school, and I guess that really kicked off kind of my love for like non-action-y anime. There was School Rumble, Hakaru No Go, uh, Prince of Tennis, uh, of course, the whole Yu-Gi-Oh pantheon. Yeah, just non-action anime is something I've I've really gotten back into here in recent years. Okay, great. Now, coming from anime, I'm going to bring up a very controversial question, okay. all right? Oh, hit me, hit me. But, yeah, but uh, are you a gamer? And if you are... PC, Master Race, or console? All of them. I got a, I got a powerful rig. I got a PS4. I got a Nintendo Switch. I have a 3DS. I really don't have a bias when it comes to consoles. I guess anything but Xbox because Microsoft is trash. Come at me, nerds. <laughs> well, as you know, this interview is being recorded on a, on a Linux machine, so uh, we're not exactly the number one fans of Microsoft either. But uh, I, you know, looking, going back to your channel, looking at that, I've not seen a lot of like video game content. Like, is this something that you are going to go into in the near future? Perhaps doing some playthroughs or play alongs? Are you, is that kind of on the, uh, on the table for your future plans? So I'm going to give you some insight here, Seth. Video game content is a lot harder to make than, you know, me talking about spoon-fed media, I like to call it like movies, anime, shows, because spoon-fed media, quote-unquote, is um, you literally just, you splice in the A-roll footage of whatever you're talking about, and you just mix that in with your voiceover, add some, you know, overlays, music here and there, and boom, you're done. Video game content is a lot harder, because not only do you have to play through the video game, you also got to wade through all of that footage of you playing through the video game and find relevant and find stuff relevant to what you're talking about and putting that into video. So that's it's, it's not like I don't want to talk about video games. It's just that making video game related videos are a lot more time consuming. And as I'm active duty on C duty right at the moment of this video, uh, I just don't have that t- that amount of time. I would definitely, I'm definitely looking at putting in more video game related content in the future, though. And also, in addition to taking the time to go back and reviewing your footage, also going back and bleeping out all the f bombs, <laughs> depending on which platform you're going to be uploading to, of course. Yes, yes, because on my Twitch channel, I will get very heated very quickly, especially if I'm playing Crash Bandicoot. You can go back and watch right. any of my Crash Bandicoot videos to to see that. 
And I just wanted to make a comment too, and I want to kind of hear your feedback on that. But you know, there's been there have been like major controversies with content creators doing live streaming. And, you know, they say something that no one in the gaming community would ever blink an eye at. I mean, I've heard I mean, I'm I'm a gamer myself, and you know, obviously these days I don't have time to play 12 hours a day anymore, like you know, like I did 10 years ago, but I try to get in some gaming as much as I can. I used to play a lot of multiplayer games. Now I'm getting off of that because of just time and frustration. And I'm getting more into the single player games with role-playing elements and very good stories. But going back to the controversy and again, a, a risk of being a content creator and doing certain types of content, especially live, such as video games. So, you know, there, there have been content creators and there's many of them, but the, the one that comes to mind is PewDiePie. You know, he said many things live on stream on Twitch that has been mirrored on YouTube. And he has said things that have caused a lot of, co a lot of controversy. And yet as a gamer, and I'm sure you can empathize with this, there are things that he has said, and not only him, other streamers and content creators have said while playing games that we you know you and I might even say ourselves and not even blink an eye because it's out of the heat of the moment. It's out of frustration. We don't really mean, I mean, like, when we say a bad word, we're not meaning to like offend someone. We're just acting out. You know what I mean? Or if we're playing with a group of friends and we, we riff them and we insult them, you know, it's not really, you know, when you call someone a certain name or you use a, a slur, you know, against your friend, right? There's context, right? It, you know, it's like your friend might even say something worse or you might encounter a funny moment in the game which calls for saying something very, very inappropriate. So you and I have been there and other gamers have been there, but, you know, there's been moments where like PewDiePie, for example, he says, you know, some bad words or he says a slur or he says something else and he loses like millions of dollars of, you know, sponsors and advertising. You know, there are organizations uh, like anti-hate organizations that have called him out for being discriminatory, for being, you know, nasty, for being mean, uh, for being uh, defamatory, a racist, a sexist, all sorts of things like that. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, have are you familiar with this? Probably you are. And what are your what is kind of like your personal opinion as a content creator about being authentic, especially while you're on stream? but also trying to be having that politically correct side about not offending the normies, you know, cause obviously a lot of people don't understand gaming culture. Some, some people on YouTube have never even played a video game. Nonetheless, a very toxic genre like MOBAs or like, you know, such as for example, uh, League of Legends or Dota 2 or Heroes of the Storm, where the toxicity can be extreme, yet they're great games. Even after the toxicity, sometimes you talk to your opponents in DMs and you become friends. But tell me a little bit about your thoughts about balancing being a content creator, being authentic and saying what you want, when you want in reaction to playing a game or even reviewing a movie. And yet being slightly afraid that people may not understand what you're saying and will get extremely offended and even will try to come after you. So what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> um, yeah, wow, you picked a really dubious topic. Um... <laughs> well, you are a content creator, so you are in the same ocean as PewDiePie, although obviously not yet at his level. And hopefully after this interview, we'll, we'll get you uh, on that road, right? Hopefully. <laughs> but, but yeah, to answer yeah, your question, what are your thoughts? yeah, to answer your question, uh, I'm going to say that it's really hard when you gain 
as big of a following as a PewDiePie or as a Ninja or as an SS Sniper Wolf. Because as that, that's, as that subscriber count goes up, so does that spotlight on you. And literally everything, mm-hmm. it comes to the point where you're so big and so famous and all the eyes are on you that literally everything you do, every move you make is under scrutiny. Mm-hmm. So I know that can cause some content creators to quote unquote uh, leave their roots as per se, you know, sell out and, you know, try to be politically correct and follow all the rules because, you know, it's their living now. So they're not trying to lose money that, you know, put food off their table. <laughs> I can perfectly understand right. that, but I can also understand the other side of that where you want to stick to yourself and be who you are when you first started, even if it means you make a lot of enemies because more people means more people or more people watching your content means more people disagreeing with your content. It doesn't matter how good you are or how consistently you know good your content is. You're going to have people that don't like it and that number is only going to increase you know, the more viewers you get. But you're going to have the, but yeah, what I'm saying is they're going to be people that just decides to stick to their guns and just be them, even if it means having to wait a few through a few storms. I have respect for both sides of that argument. But what I want to draw attention to is not exactly um, content or streamers like PewDiePie and Ninja that catch flack, but female content creators like SS Sniper Wolf, to where I feel that's that kind of thing that they have to deal with is magnified. to the untinked degree because just because they're females in a community that is dominated by predominantly males and some of those males don't take too kindly to you know good looking females doing as well mm-hmm. as they are and i feel like their moves are put under a lot of scrutiny ss sniper wolf seems to be getting caught in a, some type of scandal every other week and i'm surprised this girl hasn't just completely broke down mentally from it i mean i'm sure the millions of dollars a year help but still, it's, it's a tough profession to be in either way you look at it. And I just think whatever your decision you have to make, you just have to be um, you have to be stalwart in that decision. If you're going to be a guy that sells out, quote unquote, like I said, it isn't a bad thing and follow the rules, then be that guy that, quote unquote, sells out and follows the rule. If you're going to be a guy that sticks to your guns and end up being the antihero, then be the guy that sticks to your guns and being the antihero. Just know if you make that decision, you can't switch back. Because <laughs> if you switch back, it'll make you look that much worse and you'll be hated by both sides of the argument then. So in other words, and again, correct me if I'm getting it wrong, but your your philosophy about all of this and, and these very real questions these days is that people respect authenticity and originality and a dedication to your own philosophy rather than someone who follows the trends and follows where the wind is going. Is that right? What I'm going to say is people don't respect as much as it is authenticity as it is consistency and consistency um, where you're going with it. You know what I'm saying? People don't like to be jerked around. They don't like to be, they don't like for you to be all, you know, oh, I'm going to be topical. I'm going to talk about current events only. I'm going to do post reactionary videos to be in. Oh, no. Now I want to talk about old games and be introspective and all that. No. You know, once you get to that level, you kind of have to be either one or the other. You can't just switch it up on them like that. I'm saying you should be consistent on what you want to do. It doesn't matter what the wrong choice is. The wrong choice is either not doing anything, anything at all or just switching it up on them. And also just to add what you said, and also I wanted to 
inform the audience of my position of not only about this, but just generally in business and in life and in entertainment and artistry and creation, you absolutely, and this is exponentially more true, in my opinion, the more successful and well-known you get, okay? It's true from the beginning, but again, it gets much more intensified as you go deeper and deeper into your profession or you get better at what you're doing, such as being a YouTube creator. You have more content, more engaging content. The subscriber count goes up. People start to notice you. I think that when you try to please everyone that, you know, like I don't, Bill Cosby said, said this, all right. And I got this from Bill Cosby and who I used to really admire a lot before all, all of the scandals he got himself into. But uh, he said something, and to paraphrase, he said something like, I don't, I don't know exactly what the secret to success in life is, but I know the, that you are guaranteed to fail if you try to please everyone. And this kind of thing has been repeated by people like that I follow, like Elon Musk and Joe Rogan. So I'm just throwing that out there that for the audience. And again, if you agree or disagree with what I'm saying, feel free to comment. If you, or if you feel that I'm onto something, comment as well uh, in the comment section uh, below our interview. But in the military also, my dad being in the Navy, he told me that even back in the day when, you know, in the 60s and 70s, he told me that the military was very political and meaning not left versus right. What he meant was you have to be careful about what you're doing, who you, what you're saying to which person, who overhears what, because it can affect your chances of promotion. It can affect your career aspects. It can affect you know, how comfortable you are in the military. Uh, now, real briefly, not to go off too much on a tangent, but can you kind of comment about that? I would About pleasing everyone versus just doing what you feel is right. Uh, how does that extend to your career in the military versus being a creator? Okay, I mean, we talked about being a creator. What, how does that kind of come into play in the, in the service? Military, I, was, I feel like it's the same philosophy. You know, you can't, you literally cannot please everyone. So if you're going to be someone who takes the military and just goes to the, the sky is limited with it, you know, be a 20 plus career man and just big officer and do all these great things. Yeah, you can do that. If you want to, you know, just be a guy that just goes to the military for, you know, the benefits, gets out of the six years and moves on and does something else. Yeah, it's cool to do that, too. Or if you want to be like me, do 10 years, you know. And discover what you kind of want to do in the middle of the military and then decide the military isn't the right thing for you. Yeah, do that. But just know no matter what what are the, those infinite no matter what of those infinitely branching paths that you take, it's going to piss someone off. So <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> so yeah, right. you just gotta you just gotta roll with the punches there, kinda. There's always gonna be that one superior or that one subordinate that just doesn't like you and there's just nothing you can do about it besides you know just do you and you know don't make the problem worse <laughs> right right now that's i think that's good good advice to go off of well especially in the military because you know you have a contract and an obligation to stay there you can't just pick up and quit no. every time you have a conflict you have to result learn to resolve your conflicts. yeah right? you got to be a man of your word in the military your contract is your written word and so if you, you know, if you end up going absent or worse, end up going deserting, then um, I do not feel sorry for you, whatever those consequences are, whether it be, you know, you just getting kicked out of the military or you having to spend months in federal prison for deserting. Leavenworth, right? 
there's Leavenworth, there's uh, Miramar, California, uh, there's Guam, or not Guam, but uh, uh, Cuba. Uh, what was I forgot? Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. Guantanamo. Yeah. So there's there's a few different places you can go. I thought Guantanamo though was only for foreign combatants. No, you can go there if you are a uh, U.S. absentee, and they feel like you were in you were um you were interfering with um the interests of national security. They can send you there for well, further that, questioning. That, well, that's pretty that's pretty spooky, I have to say. Yeah. Well, so for oh, anyone so watching spooky. this, in- I mean, there's a McDonald's there. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, ha- have you been there before? Uh, no, but I have uh, several people that I'm currently stationed with at the time of this video who have been stationed there. So they've told me all about it. It's it's a nice place if you work there. You know, they have McDonald's, they have hotels, they have restaurants, they have boat rentals, they have all types of stuff you can do there. <laughs> I had no... So, and there's obviously the commissary and PX there. Yeah, every, shopping. everything you need if you if you work there. If, you, if you're a detainee there, then your, your life's... Well, be- <laughs> obviously, it's a bit different. Yeah. A little bit of a different uniform you'll be wearing. Yes, definitely. So we so we talked about you being a content creator in the Navy. So in the Navy, do you get a lot of opportunities to uh, express your original ideas, to express your creativity, or do you find that you don't get a lot of these and and you feel some frustration? So how does your experience being a obviously you're a creative person and a, cr- a creator on YouTube? How does how do you kind of get to stretch that muscle and and uh, whatnot in the service? To put it frankly, um, underway when the ship's out at sea, I do not get many opportunities at all to create. I'm guessing you're asking if I get opportunities to create new content while I'm working. Uh, there, there's that. I would like to know that. But also, while you're doing your duties in the military, because you are a creative person. Do you have a lot of opportunities to express your creativity while doing your job in the service, such as doing your job in new and and uh, unexplored ways? Do you have a lot of flexibility in your job to go off of the off of the system, mm. so to say, and experiment with new things, methods, trainings? No, tell, tell us a little bit about that. Not really, because everything we do usually has black and white, a written procedure about how to do it or the variations of how you can do it and what not to do. So there's not a lot of room for me to kind of flex anything. Um, as for, you know, just general creative stuff, you know, maybe sometimes I'm making like a PowerPoint or a spreadsheet. I'll throw a little creative flair on it, you know, just cause I can. But for besides from that, in my job proper, there's really not a lot of opportunities for me to, to stretch that muscle. Like you said, do you think the military in general has a culture that allows for a lot of creative thought? that encourages creativity uh, in general like what's your personal opinion about that no i'm not trying to bash the military but when you join the military you're there to work for the military get the mission done and hopefully go home at the end of the day so there isn't really a lot of room for you to flex that creativity and and find colorful creative ways to do it like i said there's usually a procedure for everything if there's not they will make one very quickly. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Interesting. And so starting from last summer, because we're coming up right in June right now, June, 2020 over the past year. So from last summer until now, what's the best thing that's happened to you? Now this could be uh, uh, for your channel as a creator. It could be in the service in your military career. It could be personal. 
Let's talk about what is the best thing, the number one best thing that's happened to you from summer 2019 to present. The best thing that's happened to me. Ooh. Yes, in any category. But it should be number one. I guess the best thing that's happened to me is that I finally got to do a a review done on Super Butter Buns channel. And she got to, uh, she retweeted it and liked it and she she followed me on Twitter and, and uh, you know, all that crazy stuff that went along with it. That, that's that's what I now say. For my, I interviewed yeah, sorry and interrupt. I interviewed her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to I was just going to interrupt you because uh, for our audience who is not familiar with this creator. Uh, and what did you say her name was again? Butter. Super Butter Buns. Oh, Super Butter Bun. Buns. Yeah. Uh, for those buns, for those who are not familiar with this creator, can you kind of explain briefly to the audience who is this person and why is she significant for you and your channel? Yes. So like I said, she originally inspired me to get into YouTubing. Uh, her channel mainly consists of a series called Four Beginners, which uh, cover it's basically a beginner's guide slash com- comedy video for any given video game. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, OK. Yeah, that's pretty so much like how to create content for games. Not really. It's how to or, it's how to enjoy the game, how to oh, enjoy, how to, enjoy the, how to play the game itself. Oh. Yes. Oh, okay. It's thanks to her that a lot of people got into uh, Persona 5 because her For Beginners video for Persona 5 has got like a million and a half views. I think the U.S. sales for Persona 5 was 2 million views. So she's a big part of why that game got as popular as what it is in the uh, States. She got me into that Mm. game. So I'm I'm (laughs) not, I'm I'm a customer as well. So, yeah. Cool. Great. And this next question might be somewhat related to the previous one. Um, and if and if it's too similar, try to tell us a little bit about the second um, best thing that's happened to you. But this question is, what is one of your most defining moments recently? So let's say over the over the past year, what was one of your most defining moments as a as a creator, as a military uh, professional, uh, as a and even personally as a man? Uh, what was one of your most defining moments in the past year that really gave you a right turn and a right angle in your life? Defining moment. Huh. Very introspective question. Um, yeah. Well, I warned. <laughs> I warned you before the interview. We we can drop these bombs on you at any time. <laughs> I don't know. There's so many good moments that I have to be thankful for for this past year. But I guess I could say a defining moment. Right. So you mentioned you mentioned uh, a one of the best moments was having you being recognized by uh, this other very well healed creator on YouTube. But let's say let's say beyond that, let's say in your for example, move it to the category. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, here's a defining mm-hmm. moment. Or uh, okay, after a so I assembled a little small team on Mopeat here, consisting of you and about seven other content creators, right? And right. So I leave for this underway and it's like a long, grueling, like two or three month long underway. And I come back and I say, you know, I just, you know, pr- pretty much for, you know, courtesy reasons, like, hey, guys, I'm back. And you all greeted me so happily and were so happy to hear from me. And that 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 sunk that that really sunk my heart right there because. At that point, oh, I knew we thought your ship sank. <laughs> we didn't hear from you. <laughs> we, didn't hear, we didn't know what happened to you. <laughs> it, it really, it really. I mean, you warned us, but still, it really became a defining moment because 
at that point, I realized Bo Peep is just no longer me toiling away at just videos, trying to figure this, this shit out. All, sorry, excuse my language. Figure this thing out no, all no, by myself. You can, you, no, no problem. You can curse on this uh, in this interview. All right. Figure this <laughs> it's shit. totally allowed. This, figure Let this it out. shit off all by myself. No, <laughs> I have a team of people now that support me that care about me and together really the channel i feel like can thrive i just gotta you know finish being on uh sea duty you know <laughs> <laughs> and you know on that note um you know currently you mentioned that you're on sea duty and you're currently you currently have assembled a team to take care of your channel and help that channel move from where it is now into the future but you know what kind of I just, a question just came up in my mind that you know, I never really uh, thought about before and I wanted to ask you right now. So talking about your channel and the the success that that you've seen with it recently. OK, let's talk about that. Now, I know that there are many ways to promote a YouTube channel. You know, there's non-paid, paid, there's the organic and there's the mechanical ways. But I noticed that since joining you, there has been a significant increase in subscribers to your channel. I also noticed that you have a Patreon and you have monthly donors on that Patreon. So from my point of view, you've had quite a bit of success, uh, despite the fact that you've been out at sea for so long and have not been able to do a lot of hands-on on the channel. And uh, reflecting that that success recently, kind of what, what are some of the things that you believe have led to this sudden increase in progress, the sudden increase in subscribers, the increase in views. I've noticed that, you know, again, since the beginning of where we were working together, which was a few months ago, uh, late last year, actually, and then we started work, continuing to work a few months ago. What do you think has done the most to bring up your channel and to cause so much improvement okay. over the past few months? I will start off by saying that you should not have to pay to advertise your channel. You shouldn't have to spend, you can, you can grow your channel spending zero dollars and zero cents kids anything any people that tells you otherwise they're scamming you they're trying to get your money you don't need to use facebook boost or any of that bull crap to try to boost your channel you can do it for free but mm -hmm. what i say increases viewership are two things uh consistency making sure you put out videos consistently quality videos consistently and engagement just making sure that you're constantly squawking on all platforms for free, of course. So like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, Reddit is what I advertise the channel on. And while, yeah, I'm not getting a ton of view of support from there, I'm still getting the, the word out there. I'm putting the idea in people's heads. Eventually, they're going to be like, all right, what is this Mopeat thing about? I'm clicking on this. And boom, there we go. Away we go. I have a backlog of interesting videos. That's where the consistency comes back in to show you. And if you're interested in staying, you have videos that you can watch for a while. You might even drop a sub being like, hey, I like what this guy has to bring. I'm going to drop a sub. And that's how that whole process works. It's not designed to get us, you know, rich overnight, <laughs> as I like to right, say. Right. But it's designed to just steadily build and build and build that organic subscriber count up. Right. And again, I mean, I've been monitoring your progress for the past few months, and it's been very impressive considering the fact that you have not done, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have not done any paid advertising or paid promotion of your channel. It's been all just naturally organic over the past few months. Is that right? Yep. Just putting the idea in people's heads. That's it. 
Great. And, and again, I see the results of that. So good work. And I am very confident in your under your leadership that the channel will continue to grow organically and, you know, get up there. <laughs> oh, sorry. What did you say? Oh, I just said thank you. Oh, OK. You're welcome. Um, so we talked about, you know, you've had some recent su successes and recent progress with your channel. Um, in your life as a con as a, again, as a man or as a content creator on YouTube or as a military professional, but today, these days, what excites you right now? What excites me right now? What excites you right now? Just anything. Anything. It's going to sound shallow thinking about all my, uh, I feel like all these answers where I can answer anything basically comes back to my YouTube that shows you how big the channel is to me. What excites me is finishing a project. Starting a project is such, any kind of creator will tell you that starting a project is such a long, gruesome process. You got to go through writing, shooting, editing, re-editing, and it can be even longer if you start to have second thoughts about that project. But finishing it is the greatest feeling in the world. When I know that I'm about to be finished with a project, it's just the best feeling inside. I have a bottle of like cream soda on standby for when I finish it. So I can just guzzle it down in celebration. That's that's what excites me these days. Finishing projects and seeing them go live on YouTube and then seeing people like it. That's that's what gets me off right there. Great. So we talked about history and we talked about the present. And I kind of want to take the last segment of this interview and talk. Let's talk about the future. Let's talk about your future and let's talk about the future of the Mopi channel. And as, a, as an aside, also talk about your future with the military, because again, I think the military gives you a very different perspective uh, while being a, crea a creator and gives you, of course, lots of interesting experiences. And I'm sure many of my audience would like to hear you know, how you've been able to manage and juggle the two. But let's talk about the future and what are you most looking forward to? And this could be in the near future or it could be a year from now or two years from now, you choose the duration, you choose the time, but what are you most looking forward to right now? Next year, going on short duty, because that means I can go in full overdrive when it comes to creating content and getting my degree. Oh, and uh, you are pursuing a degree in, what, in which discipline? Business management. Business management. All right. Very good. So when you go back on shore, uh, according to your schedule, uh, are you? do you think you'll be shipped out to sea again or are you going to remain on land until the end of your term, the end of your nope. contract. I should be on land until the end of my contract, barring something crazy like World War III happening. Oh, well, let's knock on wood and pray to God that does not happen. And yeah, I just knocked on my baseboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, <clears throat> so now that we're kind of moving into the tail end of the interview, so what are your plans? You mentioned that you're going to be going back on shore next year and pursuing your degree. What are your plans after you complete your military service? I want to uh, either work at a Fortune 500 company, boring, or um, take over my father's uh, business. He's a DJ. You know, he does Sound Profits DJing, and he does it with my brother. And it's kind of like a family business. And I kind of want to just, uh, if it's still around when I get out of the military, I kind of want to just take it over, making it my own thing. Of course... Hopefully by then, Mopi will be big enough to where that could be my job, where I'm just a full-time YouTuber and just making content every day. Because I would like that, to just spend 16 hours a day making videos for you guys. I, I love that, actually. Uh, 
cool and making a full-time career making great content and again like uh to my audience if you haven't reviewed mopeed's channel yet um, there's going to be a link in the description below and be sure to check it out when you have a moment i'm not i personally am not a huge anime and manga fan i think nerd culture can be interesting but I, again i'm not very deep in it myself but Mopeat, the way Mopeat presents these topics, it's very funny and entertaining. You know, usually when I click on something I'm not very interested in on YouTube, I'll watch the first 10 seconds, but then they lose my engagement. Um, but with a lot of uh, Mopeat's content, usually I watch until the end. Or, you know, to be frank, if I'm very busy, you know, at least I'll watch halfway through, then I'll pause it and watch the rest later on, perhaps before bed or in bed when I'm doing some chill activities. So on to the next question here. I have two more questions. Again, it goes back to the military because my final question will be only about content creation. So for those in the audience watching this interview, okay, whether or not they watch it uh, tomorrow or perhaps five years from now, people will be watching this interview and take an interest in the topics. For those watching and they're thinking about joining the military, okay, any branch, enlisted or officer, Mopit, if you could go back in time and advise your younger self about what to do, how to handle the military, how to prepare yourself before joining, what to look out for, etc. What will be a few things that you would tell your younger self before you join the military? And again, this would be advice for my audience and all the watchers. For those thinking about joining the service, what would you tell them? What kind of career advice would you give them before they make the decision to join? Yeah, I would just say, just make sure just to sit down and review all of your decisions carefully. You never know. Um, you never know what you can find. You never know um, if you can immediately find your passion and you never know what can, what can happen because who knows? Maybe you could find trade school and not have to go into the military. I'm not bad mouthing military or anything. I'm just saying it's a huge commitment and enlisting and even going officer commissioning is a huge decision that most of the times, nine out of 10, that you won't be able to take back. So just think long and hard, think very carefully about what you're doing and what you want to do in the military if you decide to go that route. That's the best advice I can give. That does make a lot of sense. So our final question, or at least one of our final questions, if nothing else comes up, Going back to being a creator, now you mentioned, we talked about this a little bit before, but here is a very specific question about that. And again, I'd like you to just do it freestyle and just and pour your heart out so, so to say, hip, yeah. you can. Right. So as a content creator, okay, somebody like yourself who has had seen some success already on YouTube as a channel owner, but also as a content creator yourself, um, what would be some advice for other creators who want to organically grow their YouTube channel with the intention of getting a, a great audience, of course, first, but also down the line wants to make a little, a little bit of money for themselves with monetization? Now, previously, you mentioned two things, consistency and, um, and making great content. Okay. Now, of course, that makes sense. But is there any other specific advice that comes to mind that you tell a new creator? Besides consistency and making great content, what would be some advice? Again, if we could go back in time, what would you tell the younger and greener Mopit of the Mopit channel to do, knowing what you know now as a content creator and channel owner? 
Okay, uh, I'll answer that question in two parts. If I was talking to myself mm-hmm. back then, I would say to discover your channel's platform and what it's about as soon as possible. I feel like in my early years, I had I was struggling to find what I wanted the channel's identity to be. There's at some point where it was going to be a classic review channel. There's some points where it's going to be a vlog channel. Some points where it's going to be just a kind of podcasty channel. I feel like only recently I found out what Mopi is and why. And I think that's part of the reason why, why the channel's experienced some recent success for the just creator in general, the new creator in general. I want you to tell you just don't give up when you first start. Nine times out of 10, unless your video becomes a meme, you're not going to get a lot of viewership when you first start out. You're going to get five, six, seven views out the gate and just as many subscribers. It's all right. That's a good thing. Just put out content consistently, get better, find ways to get better and slowly grow your channel organically and advertise on social media, of course. Um, if you're dead set on making money, I don't recommend YouTubing just to make money because that'll make your content seem, um, unauthentic just because you have that in the back of your mind and it shows. But if you're dead set on making money off YouTube, then review YouTube's monetization policy, affiliate, uh, sorry, their partnership, uh, partnership policy and see all you need to do to keep your videos from becoming demonetized. Cause I feel like a lot of content creators when they make it big, they had to change up a lot of their videos because they don't meet YouTube's um, monetization policy guidelines. And so they don't want to lose money. So they're in this epic scramble to change up all their videos to meet it. Uh, me personally, I don't really care about YouTube's monetization policy. So um, I'm just kind of letting my videos go as is. But if you're dead set on that, then definitely look at that policy and learn it like the back of your hand. Great. Okay, Mo Pete. Well, thank you for your authentic answers, and this has been a great interview. And um, I, I, you know, I personally certainly learned a lot, not only about uh, being a YouTube content creator, but also about uh, the U.S. military. Because obviously, I've never been in the service. My dad was, but and my cousin was, but I haven't. So I learned a lot about multiple topics here, and I think that's what made interviewing you so interesting. Because you know, you're. In my in my eyes, you're kind of like a true renaissance man. You know what I mean? You're able to have many interests and many things going for you and also being proficient in managing all of them. You know, so thank you for being so interesting and also agreeing to come on to our show. No problem. Thank you for having me, Seth. It was a huge deal being asked to be interviewed. I feel like a true uh, YouTube star, even though I'm not quite there yet. Thank you, Seth. Well, judging, again, judging from the progress I've seen from your channel over the past few months, I don't think you have long to go. So keep up the great work. And uh, again, this is Seth here from Cosma Records on an episode of Behind the Artist. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next episode, which should include also another artist and creator who is also coincidentally a U.S. military veteran but this time, she is now an author and veteran of the U.S. Marine Corps. So again, folks, thanks for listening and take care. Bye-bye now. Bye, guys.